Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the normal boring lawyer to my cat filter on Zoom. It's Justin Peach. Hi Ryan. Hello. Justin, how's it going? It's very good. It's very good. These are getting earlier and earlier. I don't know they why. They are, aren't they? They feel they like are. it. You just disclosed to me that you're suffering from terrible back pain at the moment. Yeah. What's that like? Yeah. At the tender age of 26. I don't know what sort of me. I think it's all the crappy off cause my, my office chair my home office chair is is tin pot it is awful okay yeah. is it your posture you hunched over yes i do hunch i do hunch really badly i need i need a, a proper physio for work related injuries do you want me to come round covid safe of course get my hands on your shoulders and just jab my knee into your back how's that sound you know what that might help okay okay that we'll might think help. about it not sure I would, I would do it COVID safe, but we'll get round it. <laughs> you, are, you are listening to the biggest championship specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Justin, before we start, we have got an announcement. Well, I'll say it's an announcement, but if you've only just started listening to the second tier this year, then it's not going to be any difference for you. But <laughs> if you have been listening to us in the season before, then... This is massive news because what we are going to be doing from now on is episodes every Thursday. So for people who have only just started listening to us this season, believe it or not, we didn't do episodes every Thursday. Um, But obviously when there were midweek games, we would jump in with an episode to talk about what's happening midweek. But when there weren't any midweek games, there won't be an episode. So now what we're going to do in the future is episodes every Thursday, whether there's games or not. And what we'll do is we'll have a look forward to the games coming up and just have a chat about them, really. Talk about the games that we're looking forward to seeing. I mean, this is the championship. We look forward to every game in the championship because it's a fantastic league with loads of quality all over the place. But we'll pick out the main games that we are really excited about and uh, yeah, just preview them, really. We're going to do that in this episode because there's only three games this week, <laughs> Justin, so we've got to fill half an hour at least somehow. And um, We'll start off with the team who are sitting top of the championship at the moment, and that is Brentford. They beat Reading 3-1 after Josh De Silva got two. And who else? Ivan Tony getting the other... It was a game of few chances, wasn't it? Brentford only had five shots and scored three of them. Um, I think, for me, this is a sign that they're much more capable of scraping games now because in past seasons, there'd been a game like this where they'd come up against a stubborn Reading side and they'd have got frustrated, perhaps tried to force it at times. But now they know that if they just keep playing the way they play, then their quality is going to shine through. Do you agree? Yeah, I do agree. I think that... that, um... 
what you said there reminds me a lot of the Norwich team from two years ago, where even if they went a goal down, they knew they were going to get back into it. They've got the talent going forward to do it, and the win last night against Reading was very much a statement win because Reading are a top six team. They're an incredibly good team. They're well oiled all over the pitch, and um, to put three past them after not creating too many chances, as I say, it's a statement. It's a statement win. It's telling the rest of the league that they're serious this year. They really are serious. I mean, we'll get onto that in just a sec, but two players stood out in particular. One of them is Ivan Tony again, as well as getting the goal, he got two assists. It just goes to show, as I was saying, he is an all-round striker. If you believe he is just a penalty box poacher, you are completely wrong. And the other player who stood out was Josh De Silva, who, as I say, got two goals here. And he is a wonderful player to watch, isn't he, Justin? He really, really is. He hasn't played that much recently due to a mix of suspension and a hip injury. But he is the kind of player who could be drafted into any championship side and instantly improve them. He is a superb all-round midfielder. He had to, as well as getting the goals here, also had to put in a bit of defensive work um, to really try and break down the Reading attacks. And he did it superbly. I just love watching him play. He is a quality, quality player, still only 22, such a raw talent at this age. Someone we don't really talk about as much either, really, considering the amount of talent he's got, because I'd probably say he's the most talented midfielder in the league. No one else is springing to mind off the top of my head, but he, for me, has got to be up there at the very least. And I have said previously, he is a future England international in my books. When you see games like this, he looks almost certain to be a Premier League player in the near future, especially with this Brentford side. It's it's very hard to disagree. We said it a lot last season because of how good he was going forwards, but I think this season the numbers haven't been quite as up there, but what he's added to his, his game and what he's needed to add is that, that mix of being able to do it defensively as well. And mm. I think he's sat a little bit deeper, which is which has helped Brentford gain a little bit more control on games and we're seeing that now that they're not the the free they're not the free flowing team they were they they had a bit of a you know a swashbuckle to them last season a, a bit of swagger whereas this season they're very they're not they're not boring because they're very very good but they're very efficient they're very as I, as I said they're well as I said about reading they're well oiled they know what they're doing um and they're controlling games much much better than they were last season that's down to Players like Josh Silva, who's tweaked tweaked their own game to to get the best out of them and get the best for the team as well. I think a good way of kind of carrying on from what you're saying is they've matured, haven't they? Yeah, because I think there's a fair argument to say, and this is bizarre when you consider the ridiculous run Brentford are on at the moment. There is an argument to say that man for man, the side from last season is probably more talented because you have the likes of Ben Rama and what have you, but. This season, the likes of De Silva, Pinnock, Henry, these players have all got a year older and have, as I say, matured. And that is contributed to what we're seeing now in this Brentford side now, where it seems like they are more of a well-oiled machine, more of a unit. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I say, Brentford are now top of the championship. It's the first time they've been top of the championship since August 2018. They're two points clear of Norwich in second. I mean, I've been actively saying that Brentford are going up this year. I honestly think 
they could win the league by 10 points or more at the rate they're going they just don't look like stopping. They've dropped points just once in their last nine games, unbeaten since October. That's the stuff of champions, Justin. Mm-hmm. On the pitch, as I say, like a well-oiled machine. They have been lucky in a couple of games this season um, in the in the unbeaten run, but I don't think there's been a game in that time where they've been second best. I think they've been equal to their opponents at least. And um, aside from that, they've been the better team in every game. Of course, I'm not crowning them a Premier League side just yet, but the way it's going, there would have to be a mighty decline in performances for that not to happen. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And um, I think that there, there are two two ways of looking at this. If, if Brentford go up, it's great. You know, there's a lot of people that we know at Brentford that we that we like. Um, but on the other hand, if they don't go up, that suits me as well because you're going to be insufferable if they do. <laughs> Oh, will we? <laughs> I mean, we, we've been blowing the horn for Brentford for quite some time. Yeah, and I know yeah, fans of other clubs um, get quite annoyed about it. But <laughs> they are a fantastic team to watch. And now we're finally seeing the results replicating how well they do on the pitch. And let's give a quick shout out to Reading because, in fairness, this was a good performance, wasn't it? Particularly in the first half. If you manage to restrict a Brentford side down to just five shots, then that is a massive confidence booster for this Reading side um, anything else you want to say for them no we've pretty much nailed it I, I thought they played well and that's that's credit to both of them me saying that because considering where Reading were last season you know they'll be disappointed that they didn't get a result here against a team who are unbeaten in god knows how many games they've just gone top of the league with the win and they've got the talent that they have um just in the game, they, the the way they moved through the thirds was was effortless at times, and they were I wouldn't say they were carving Brentford open on occasion, but there were were times because they're that they're that good, they're that good. They they can do this to a lot of teams, and as I say, as a playoff team, they've got a very good package. Um, so I'm really looking forward to the next next few months and seeing how they get on. And obviously, if they they can stay in the playoffs um, and perform like that, I think they'll get results. They're they're a dangerous team uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, I would completely agree. Wednesday 2, Wickham nil. The first thing I noticed from this game, Justin, was, was this the first appearance of the yellow ball this season? It's a good question. I raised this a few weeks ago when, I don't know, when we, when we first had the first slurry of snow. I mm. thought, and it wasn't coming out, but I think it only comes out when the weather is, is snowy. That's well, it. It's interesting in the game that we'll go on to after this game, the Rotherham game, um, they started off with a white ball, but suddenly the pitch was a blanket of white and they badly needed the yellow ball and managed to get it out uh, eventually. Um, in this game, I'm not sure whether they started off with the yellow ball. I can't really remember. But either way, uh, Wednesday were much the better side here, weren't they? Wickham had a good chance towards the end of the second half, but apart from that, that was about it. And from a Wickham perspective... Considering this was the team nearest to you in the league heading into this game, it's not good that you've only managed to create one good chance or game, really, is it? It's not. It's not just that though. It's the amount of chances they conceded. It was one-way traffic, to say the very least. Um, and I said that. I said that at the weekend. The amount of chances they're starting to concede again. Um, and it, and it tells it tells they've conceded 16 in the last six and it and that's that's woeful form it really is and it's probably expected at this point 
Uh, and as I was saying, conceding eight shots on target from a side, uh, and there's no disrespect to Wednesday, they don't create chances. It's it's, it's a spell of doom, really. It's not good. Yeah, well, we said at the weekend, didn't we, that this has to be a must-win game for Wickham. Gareth Ainsworth made six changes coming into the game, so we clearly saw it as a game that they've got to win. And they've come out distantly second best, haven't they? Yeah. And now... I suppose we have got to ask the question, are Wickham down? <laughs> it's hard to put up an argument for them because there's a run of games. There's a run of games like November, December time where I was thinking they perform like this consistently. They've got a chance of staying up because the quality down at the bottom is not good. But actually the quality down at the bottom now has gone up a gear uh, and, and unfortunately they've left Wickham behind. So you have to say that, yeah, they're, they're, they're probably down at the moment. Yeah, it, it, as you say, it's hard to make an argument, really. They are only 12 points. I say only 12 points because last season, I think Luton at one point were 12 points from safety, weren't they? And they managed like to that. turn it around and stay up eventually quite comfortably on the final day. But when you consider Wickham have only won three games all season and their main supply of points was coming from grinding out draws, it's very difficult to see them turn this turning this around at this point. Um, so unfortunately, I think we might have to start thinking about cutting Wickham adrift. They've got Huddersfield and Derby coming up. And now, even if they won those two games, they're still six points from safety. And the teams above them are all seemingly picking up form. Um, not dazzling form where they're winning every game, but they're picking up a win every three games. Picking on up points. Really, aren't they? Yeah, well... Wickham, Wickham just aren't mm. and the performances have been getting worse unfortunately but for Wednesday Jordan Rhodes amongst the goals again just did two goals in three games now is he back <laughs> hopefully hopefully I mean it did help that nobody was marking him um, when he scored um, <laughs> but it was a, it was a very good six yard box goal um, a, you know he rose quite high for the header put it into the opposite corner it's good to see. It's lovely. It's a good finish. It's so good to see. We are massive Jordan Rhodes fans on this podcast, yeah. aren't we? Just because of how quality a player he was back in the day. Uh, but you can't underestimate how enormous a win this is for Wednesday, Justin. Only only the second time they've been outside of the bottom three this season. Uh, if you take a step back for a sec and remember Wednesday had a six-point deduction and you ignore that, then they've been 16th right now. Which is extraordinary to think of, really, isn't it? I mean, you've just got to, once again, sit back and applaud the work that Neil Thompson's done. Yeah, you've you've got to. You've got to sit back and applaud the work that he's done and campaign for him to get the job (laughs) full-time. That's enough of that, though. But actually, what what he's doing is they're keeping clean sheets as well. Um, I know they lost at the weekend, but they're keeping clean sheets as well. And um, two players that were really poor, actually, in the first sort of, two spells uh, under the first two two managers of the season were, were Kadeem Harris and Adam Reach. They weren't very good. I know Reach picked up a couple of goals um, under Pulis. Um, but what th- those two seem to have transformed Wednesday and they're playing at wing-back as well. Um, and they were really good in this game and, and neither of them are, w- are wing-backs. They both contributed. Both um, Reach obviously got a goal and Harris got an assist. And there's not a lot of creativity through the middle. So they're relying on those two putting balls into the box as we saw um, so having those those two on form 
inform, sorry, is is a massive benefit to Wednesday because if they're not, they're struggling to they're struggling to score or create and score goals. Yeah, looking at the table, they have got a game more than a few of the teams around them, so you've got to keep that in mind. It is still very tight at the <coughs> bottom. Uh, they're only one point. Um, only got a one-point cushion above the relegation zone at the moment, and the teams around them are also in decent form at the moment as well. So it's it's a crazy relegation battle all of a sudden. At one point, it was looking a bit clear-cut, really, wasn't it? But suddenly, it's really opened up, particularly because of the form of the likes of Wednesday and Rotherham. Uh, Wednesday have got Swansea at the weekend. Really tough game. Mm. Um but there's uh, one to look forward to. Let's talk about the other team who are right in the midst of the relegation battle, Justin Rotherham. Uh, they <coughs> lost 2-1 to Cardiff after a late goal from Joe Bennett. Just before we get onto the game, Justin, I wanted to give a quick mention to the noisy Rotherham board. <laughs> um, they were particularly noisy in this game. For anyone who's unaware of what's happened over the past week or so in the uh, derby game last week Wayne Rooney was complaining about the noise coming from the Rotherham board I think he was accusing them of being unprofessional wasn't he um after they were chanting and cheering throughout the game um and they I don't think they were as bad as they were in the derby game but they were still very noisy now that I've noticed that uh, they are there um but next time, if you do have the pleasure of watching a Rotherham game, I urge you to keep an ear out for how noisy they are. Um, but the game itself was actually a very even game, really, mm-hmm. wasn't it? You you do well to make an argument for either side, deserving the three points. Plenty of chances in the game. But nonetheless, it is a massive win for Cardiff, who keep subtly climbing the table under Big Mick, don't they, Justin? Yep, unbeaten in four. Um, and... It, it was turning into a bit of a disaster for Cardiff under Neil Harris and you'd almost think they were in danger of being sucked into a relegation battle because they were close points-wise to to the bottom three. Um, but McCarthy's turned it around and you're almost thinking, crikey, can they get into the playoffs? Because we know that they've got the quality of player to do it and we know that under Mick McCarthy they'll grind out results and they have done. You know, the first game they were 2-0 down against Barnsley, brought it back to 2-2. So... You're almost thinking it's it's possible, um, and uh, as you say, this this game was even. But Rotherham are in really good form. Um, but I thought Ojo playing alongside Kiefer Moore was a bit of a masterstroke, and a bit like Swansea, <clears throat> and they'll hate that. But Low and AU are not natural number nines; they're not natural strikers, and it works for them because they can both peel off into space, collect the ball out wide, support support the wing backs, and get into the middle as well. And Ojo has the quality with the ball at his feet, the pace to run off knockdowns from Moore, to 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 sit to sit alongside in a two in a possibly a back three. Um, so I hope to see more of it because, as I say, got a goal in this game. There's potential there for a good partnership, I think. Just going back to the playoff race because it is really interesting, isn't it? When we said when uh, Mick McCarthy was appointed, we asked the question: Could if he managed to turn around the form? Could Cardiff get back into the race for the top six? And they were, I think they were 12 points off, weren't they? Yeah. And it seemed like a bit of a long shot. But now they look right in it. It has been massively helped by the fact that all the teams around them at the moment aren't in form. I think, I'm just looking at the form table now, they're the only team between seventh and what QPR 
in a 16th who have managed to pick up two wins in the last um, two games. So that's massively helped them. But they're only eight points off the top six now. You've got to say that, considering they are the form team at the moment, that they're right in there with a shot. And the quality players that they have... You can't rule it out. You really can't. It's so exciting. Uh, <laughs> let's quickly talk about Rotherham because the dream of a mid-table finish for Rotherham has popped almost immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think you can say this was a bad performance by Rotherham. They gave Cardiff a bloody good game, didn't they? They did. Um, and they probably lacked an edge uh, all, all over the pitch. Um, it was just a little bit more quality needed that they needed to overcome a tough, tight game. Um, I alluded to their defensive frailties last week, and as we saw here, you know it just wasn't enough to see out see out the game. For example, Ojo had the freedom of South Yorkshire for the opener. I have no idea what happened there, um, but as I say, he was completely unmarked. Um, but it's a good performance again. It's, it's something to build on, and a, a bit of a nice story. Apparently, every time Matt Crooks scores, his nan gives him a pound. Still. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That is a really wholesome story. Um, I thought Michael Smith was superb, mm-hmm. leading the line for Rotherham. A wonderful cross for the Rotherham goal. He's someone who's really stepped up during this run of form for Rotherham. I think they really miss Jamie Lindsay in the middle of the park. He's such a crucial player for them. They are now only a point outside the bottom three, but they have got a game in hand. Right, Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll talk about the games we're looking forward to ahead of this weekend. I tell you what, there's nothing I love more than a classic football shirt. I've got loads of them. A Juventus shirt, Marseille shirt, even an Antalya Sport shirt. One of the reasons I've got so many is because I can get them for a great price from ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk. They've got shirts for teams from all over the globe, and that of course includes championship clubs. So if you wanted a classic Wednesday shirt, Reading shirt or Barnsley shirt, whoever you support, they'll have something for your club. It's not just shirts either, they've also got tracksuits, baseball caps, socks, so much stuff. Have a look for yourself. Go to classicfootballshirts.co.uk right now. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. So we're going to have a look ahead to the upcoming games in the Championship this weekend. We've gone for... Uh, well, we're going to pick a couple each, aren't we, Justin? Yeah. We're going to pick a couple of the games we're most looking forward to in the Championship this weekend. We'll start off with myself. And I, of course, have gone for the Lancashire Derby on Friday night. Blackburn v Preston. Possibly the biggest match between these two rivals in quite some time, I'd say. Because they're both well in with a shout of the playoffs. So in that regard, it's a six-pointer already. We could go as far to say that a loss for Preston could potentially spell the end of their playoff hopes. What do you think? Without doubt. I I think you said it at the weekend. At no point have Preston been any form this season. Mm. So getting into the playoffs is always a stretch. So if they lose this, then it's. I think it is bye-bye playoffs. I think if they draw it, it's bye-bye playoffs. I wouldn't say it's a must-win for them, but... They just haven't been able to pick up or get a run of form going all season. Right? Off the back of two two defeats as well, just yeah, I don't think they have a chance of playoffs. Yeah, well, they've got if they were to lose on Friday night, then they'd be twelve points off. 
by the end of the weekend. Could be 12 points off, I should say. So from that perspective, you've got to say if Preston do want to finish in the top six this season, then they've got to see this as a must-win game. In terms of form, Preston have... um, lost four out of their last six I've, I've got confused there because I put Preston have won six out of the la- won four of the last six I was like that's not right uh, they've lost six uh, lost four out of the last six so not great form while Blackburn have been good but they lost to QPR at the weekend either way form goes out the window in a derby as we all know hmm. Justin uh, I think it is interesting because Blackburn have really tightened up recently and so their games recently haven't been crazy goal fests like they were earlier in the season. The last nine games have featured either one goal or two goals. So much more uh, tight at the back, you could argue, but that's come at the expense of chances at the other end of the pitch. From a tactical standpoint, I'm interested to see who's going to start up front because Harvey Elliott played as a false nine in the QPR game at the weekend. Didn't really work. I don't think it was a disaster, but they had Adam Armstrong on the wing. And I think based on his form this season, he's he's got to play up front, really. Um, I think for Preston, Alex Neal is still trying to work out his best team, isn't he? Because they had a massive influx of players in January, eight new signings off the top of my head, I think it was. Mm. And he's still trying to find the right balance in that team. They had Joe Rafferty playing at right back in the... Um, in the last game of the weekend, I can't remember who they played now, but they're still trying to work out that best midfield, who's the best front three. There's a lot that he's still trying to work out. So um, he's got to figure that out quickly if they are to finish in the top six this season. Worth pointing out, Ched Evans actually got decent reviews for his hold-up play in the game against Rotherham at the weekend, which is his first start of the season. Um, anything else you're particularly looking forward to in this game? Ooh. It's very hard to say because my my experience of Lancashire derbies is they always end one one. They always end one one, um, and they're never particularly fantastic. Um, but as you say, you you've pretty much covered everything. It's it's it's, a, it's an interesting game because who does Alex Neil go with to get the best out of them? Can Blackburn hit form again going forwards? Um, so yeah, it, it it does strike it does it does strike an interest, and it's a Friday night game, which is good because they're always a little bit more interesting. We love a Friday night game here on the second tier. Just in the uh, game, well, the first game that you've gone for is Birmingham versus Luton. How about mm-hmm. you start off by telling us why? It's it's very much an intriguing game because I feel if if Birmingham City get a result, uh, mainly a win, <clears throat> that they they start to drag Luton into into the relegation battle that it's turning out to be um, and Luton's form has been inconsistent, they've won 3 in the last 10, kept just 3 clean sheets in that time, as well as that, we know that Birmingham City need wins, they're actually they're, de- they're desperate for them, they've won 1 in 10 and as you know, the the main issue with Birmingham City at the moment is defensively they're, they're awful, they've conceded 18 in those 10 games which my god is just bad and Birmingham City are home They've conceded 13 in the last six home games, and obviously Luton are the away team. Who they are a very stubborn away side. Um, their last six games have only been separated by one goal. Um, they've only conceded more than one goal in just one of those games. So I feel if if Luton get Luton get a result, it could spell the end of Karanka because the Birmingham City board have a habit of pulling the trigger, as we know, and it's not worked at all for him at at Birmingham City and. 
it's a tight game. It's a tight game, and as I mentioned, it's got a lot of connotations. It really has. For Luton, um, I think we were saying at the weekend, weren't we? We were talking about what teams are in a relegation battle this season. And we said Luton kind of with the idea that it's unlikely because they have been consistently, inconsistently picking up wins, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Um, so I'd be, I would be surprised if they got dragged into it. But a loss here, they could realistically only be, what, three points off the bottom of three yeah. come the end of the weekend. Um, and on the flip side for Birmingham, if they were to lose, then they could be three points from safety come mm-hmm. the weekend. And then I think the panic bells are all ready ringing at St. Andrews for Birmingham. But could the Birmingham board press the panic button exactly. and sack Karanka, bring mm-hmm. in someone else? So from that point of view you have got to say it is a massive game for both sides yeah and just another point on Luton and the reason why I think they can get dragged into it is because they don't they just don't score enough and I said that they're a stubborn side the games are usually quite tight with them and that's that's not a bad thing but do they have the quality to get a second goal to put the game to bed do they have the quality to go behind to get back into the game they've scored 22 this season which is just one more than Birmingham they are the fifth lowest scorers in the league so that's that's sort of the main sort of narrative as to why I think Luton can get dragged into it if they lose this game because it's a tight game. You can't lose it to a team who are close to your points wise and they're at the bottom of the table. Yeah, and Birmingham haven't won at home now since October either, and they picked up two draws yeah. in that time as well, which is just incredulous. It's by far the worst home record in the championship this season, and Luton will be licking their lips at the thought of that because they need to get something from this game. Derby v Middlesbrough is the other game I've gone for. Kind of in a similar vein from uh, a Birmingham perspective because Derby have slipped into the bottom three in the after the midweek win for Wednesday over Wickham. Um, but I think it's a massive game for both sides really because Middlesbrough have been on a rotten run of form recently they've really let their standards slip defensively in the last couple of months at the start of the season they were looking like an impenetrable wall <laughs> but they're coming up against a derby side now who have conceded just as many goals as them now which is amazing really that's not to say derby are a particularly bad side defensively their main problem quite obviously is scoring goals um but the fact that these two are now on a level playing field when it comes to goals conceded this season is remarkable. The game will come down to who is most clinical. And I know you can say that about any game, really. But the real issue with both these teams is scoring goals. Simple as that. Borough create plenty of chances, but struggle to put them away. Derby don't create that many chances. They're two misfiring teams. And on the face of it, you'd expect this to be a a very tight game. I don't think there'll be much in the way of goals between these two teams. It could also be seen as a real season definer in terms of the trajectory that these teams are going to be on. For Derby, it's their second full game without Christian Bielik in the Rotherham game last week. They were awful and it was reminiscent of the Derby side that we saw before Bielik came back from injury. If they put in a performance like that again here, I will be massively concerned about the rest of the season for Derby. And then for Middlesbrough, they picked up one point from the last four games and had just two wins in the last eight league games. It's a troubling run 
which could see them drift away from the race for the top six. Um, I mean, Bournemouth's form is terrible. They're the only team ahead of Well, they're the team directly above them. Um, and they could have taken advantage of that form, but they're still five points off, which just goes to show how terrible Borough have been recently. And now, because of the terrible form that Middlesbrough have been in, there is a line of teams behind them waiting to overtake them. Um, Justin, you're a Derby fan. Anything you want to add to the spice of this game? Yeah, so an interesting point about Derby is they've created as many chances this season as Reading. But they've converted just 6% of the chances whereas Reading have wow. converted a lot more because they've scored 40 odd goals um, so that that tells you how tight the game's going to be because Borough I don't know their conversion rate but Borough also aren't very good at converting their chances so if it's going to be separated by a goal sorry if any game's going to be separated by one goal it's going to be this one um, but, but mind you the three times Derby have been battered this season um, one of them came against the Borough side uh, earlier on in the season when they were in decent form so yeah it's, it's an intriguing one as you say it comes down to who wins the midfield battle always does with Neil Warnock teams and without Bielik you have to edge towards Borough yeah it's always interesting to see two out of form teams colliding with each other and you could make the case for that in your second game Justin Watford versus Bristol City I don't think Watford are particularly out of form I'll just say they've not been impressive recently, while Bristol City definitely have been out of form. <clears throat> yeah, so the, the point I've made in my notes is neither of these teams are functioning very well. Mm. <laughs> That's um, what I'm putting it. Yeah, they're just, they're just not clicking. And I've read a lot of um, articles this week on Watford and, and the Potsos, and the, the key things to take from it is, you know, is it a player problem at Watford? Is it a manager problem? Is it an ownership problem? I think it's a mixture of all three. Um, to say to say, to be very very blunt, and um, the thing that Watford are struggling with is getting the best out of the players that they have, which is amazing considering the talent that they've got. Um, I mean, they did have to sell a number of players. I think Suarez left in the summer as well, which I think he was nailed on to be a starter this season, and. Um, you could or you can argue that they're suffering from it because Pedro is a very talented player, but he's just nineteen, twenty years old. Mm. So it's hard to rely on a, a, a player who's barely a teenager. Um, and, and in this game, you'd, you'd expect a Watford win, but I think because they're feeling the pressure now, it opens the game up for Bristol City. Um, they have lost their last six away games, though it's the worst away record in the league, uh, and scored just three in that time. Whereas Watford are the best home team in the league and they're the second high scorers in the league as well collectively so it's an intriguing game for that and as well as that because of the pressure Watford are under I just feel like it, as I mentioned it opens the game up for Bristol City although they are mi- missing Alfie Mawson who yesterday in the Sheffield United uh, game in the FA Cup um, denied a goal scoring opportunity with a handball which was stupid <laughs> Uh, I can see this game very easily being either a nil-nil or one-nil Watford just because Watford have been poor going forwards this season especially scoring from open play scoring from open play has been a massive problem Um, while Bristol City have been well it's weird for Bristol City because against Derby and who did they play at the weekend? Coventry Coventry 
two no, teams. Sorry, that was Watford. No, that was Watford who played Coventry. Um, I can't remember who they played at the weekend. Um, but they put in two performances attack wise, which were really, really poor, didn't they? And mm-hmm. then in the Brentford game, bizarrely, they actually looked quite good going forwards. Um, so you don't really know which Bristol City side is going to turn up. Um, but Watford are very good defensively as well, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So I, I'd agree with you. This is a fascinating game, as all championship games are. But this is particularly fascinating because of how both sides are looking out of sorts at the moment. And going back to what you were saying about Watford, it's very interesting to see who is at fault for what's going wrong recently. Um, you know, mentioning the reports that were coming out about Watford and how they decided to switch to a 4-4-2 at the last minute after mm-hmm. training for a 3-5-2 yeah. all week in training, which is simply bizarre. They've been having to put the likes of Will Hughes on the wing in recent games. It's just not clicking, but they have been capable of grinding out results, even though it hasn't been clicking. Um, hey, Justin, that's just about it for us this weekend. So thank you for listening to the Second Tier podcast. We'll be, of course, back again on Sunday to give you a roundup of all the games in the championship. Look back at some of the news from the past week. And yeah, that's just about it. Justin, you got any plans for this weekend? Have I got any plans for this weekend? It's a great question. Um Oh crap, it's my birthday this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, apparently I do. It's my birthday on Sunday when we're recording. Yeah. It's also my birthday. How yeah. about that? There you go. I'm going to celebrate by having a really good sit down. What are you going to do, Justin? I'm going to enjoy um, recording a very good podcast on Sunday. That's what I'm going to do. Fantastic. And before we go, um, is there any weekend wisdom that you want to impart on our listeners? Um, go on a nice walk. I tell you what, because it's frozen everywhere, we've got like lakes round where I live. And if you throw rocks onto the lakes, they make a really cool noise. So I thought you- do that. Okay. Okay, I'll I'll think about it. It does feel like a bit like vandalism, but um, it's just water. Yeah, but there's fish in there, isn't there? Mm, maybe. Are there fish in there? What happens to the fish when the lakes get frozen? Not definitely not around us. There's no fish around us. Surely there are. They're, they're man-made lakes. So let's not get into this because this could be a long debate for no reason. Yeah, but now I want to know what happens to fish when lakes get frozen. We'll leave you with that thought, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Sunday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.